Hey guys, uh, thanks for joining us for our online worship experience. Let me go ahead right from the start to try to answer a question I've been asked really more than any other. When are we going to gather again for worship? Uh, we have been worshiping just online now for about the past nine weeks. And so on uh, June the 4th, that'll be a Thursday night right here at our main campus. That'll be our first worship service back. And then the following Sunday on June 7th, uh, here and at Buchanan, we will gather again for worship. Now let's talk just a little bit about what that's gonna look like. It's gonna be a different experience because of the guidelines that we have to stay under. It's gonna be a different experience uh, than what you're used to. You maybe even can see just a little bit in the sanctuary, the chairs are gonna be spread out a whole lot more. We have to limit capacity. And so here's what we're gonna ask you to do. Number one, we're going to ask everyone, staff, everybody is going to have to go and register online because we only have so many uh, seats available per these guidelines for each service. So you have to go to our website and register online. It'll take just a few seconds to do that, but that'll help us. And that is just a part of a plan to keep you as safe as, as possible. Uh, we'll not have any programming for preschoolers or children. Now, that's a little bit different, so your kids will be in with you. Well, we'll have uh, here at our Battlefield uh, campus, we'll have uh, the worship center, the children's area will be involved for a, a family worship experience if you want that. And then we'll have another venue just for the most vulnerable. So we'll have three different venues there that you can uh, sign up for. Now. The next thing I would say to you is some of you, it's just gonna be better for you to, to continue to watch online. And I just want, as your pastor, to say, you have total freedom uh, to do that. It, it's gonna be a, a different experience. We hope these restrictions will be lifted uh, rather quickly and we'll be able to get back to gathering without those restrictions. But uh, for some of you, it's just gonna be a much better experience for you just to continue to worship online. And I, I just encourage you to do that, especially if you have elderly parents that you're taking care of, you have smaller children, that's really hard for them to understand understand social distancing, and so that that's fine. Some of you, just because of uh, health issues, you're at a higher risk uh, for this virus, and so of course, being in a large crowd is, is just not, it's just not smart. And so if you'll check us out on our website, we'll continue to have more updates uh, relative to that as we move closer to that day when we re-enter. Hey, we're gonna continue on with our series 2020, Embracing a New Vision. We're gonna talk about uh, what I think is a super important topic today. It's this idea of embracing a new vision of worry. And we're in the midst of a, we're in the midst of a pandemic. And so there is a lot that we're concerned about, anxious about, a lot that we're uh, worrying about. But before we, we jump in there, I, I wanna say this. I, I wanna just say congratulations to all of our graduates, our high school graduates and our, our college graduates. What a, what a great accomplishment. And I've been thinking about you guys uh, really over the last several weeks and thinking about uh, this year, 2020 on your class ring. No one will ever forget this year, right? 2020, uh, certainly it's gonna, it's gonna mark you. The year that you graduated, people will remember that. And you've missed out on proms and graduation services have been so different. And so uh, that's been difficult. And, and for college students, I, I think about, you know, eight months ago, uh, we were in one of the most vibrant economies, really perhaps in the history of our country. And now we're facing 20% uh, unemployment. And so you're graduating from college in a tough job market. And so that's creating probably some worry and some fear about what's out there in the future. There's a, a picture that I saw online of a kind of that captures this. It's a young lady who just graduated from college. She's in her cap and gown and, and you see the picture, we'll put it up uh, on your screen. She's got the cardboard sign that says, now what? I think that's the sentiment of a lot. But you know, 
College students aren't the only ones that are worrying about the future today. I think all of us at some level are worrying about the future. We have, we have fears about what it's going to be like in six months. What's the economy going to be like? We have some, some fear, some worry as it relates to our health. That's where some of you are. Worry as it relates to the health of your parents or to your children. So there's a lot of worry. It's not just graduates who are exper experiencing some worry about the future. I think uh, all of us, all of us are. Uh, by now, you're probably wondering, uh, Pastor Brady, what are you doing? It looks like you're preaching your message from the balcony. And uh, that's right. And uh, here's why I'm doing that. First of all, uh, I've always wanted to preach a message from the balcony. There have been Sundays I just wanted to grab my Bible and come up uh, to the balcony because for a couple of reasons. Number one, I, I'm kind of so far away uh, from you guys. I, I feel like I have a hard time making eye contact with you and connecting with you. Number two, if I was just coming to church by myself, I'd probably sit in the balcony. So I, I'm like a, a balcony guy. So I want to be close to close to my people. But the other reason why I'm preaching from the balcony is it's really the, it's kind of the scene of the crime for me, so to speak. It's sort of the scene where some of my fear and some of my worry exist. And here's what I mean by that. In my weaker moments, as I walk into our sanctuary here at the Battlefield campus sometimes throughout the week and nobody's here and I look around, we see the chairs that are spread out. Sometimes in my weaker moments, I'm prone to worry and say, will it ever be like it was before? And I can see glimpses in my mind of just a you know, a packed sanctuary. We, we took that for granted and it was, had a lot of energy and it was super cool. And sometimes I, I, I'm prone to worry and think, you know what, how long before it's like that again? Will it ever be like that again? And so I'm preaching from the balcony today just a, as a reminder to you that I need help in this area. I need God's vision for worry in my life. And my guess is we all do in some area. Here's a working definition of worry today that we'll look at. Worry is when the what ifs of life, like, what if nobody returns back to church? What if, what if I lose my job? Uh, what if I, I graduate and can't get an interview? What if my child gets sick? Worries when the what ifs of life spiral and grow into the will be's in our heart and our mind. These what ifs begin to take root in our, in our heart and our mind and they really leaves a, leave us in a debilitating place. And so Jesus has a lot to say. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up and. Uh, I'd encourage you just to do a couple of things. We're, we're trying to learn about preaching and teaching to an online audience. It's very different. And so you can open your scripture up right now and, and whatever you have to do to kind of put your, maybe put your phone away because there's so many distractions. Uh, and let's just listen to what Jesus is saying because in this passage, we get God's vision, a new vision for worry, and it can be so helpful to you, all right? Listen to what uh, the Lord says in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And Jesus is asking a question here. And, and, and what the audience would have said is, yes, I mean, there's more to life than just what I'm wearing and what I'm eating. But those are still real concerns. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. I just picture Jesus preaching and he's just using just an image that's right in front of him. Take a look at the bird that's just flying over right now and everybody looks up. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns and, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. And then he asks another question, are you not much more valuable than they? And maybe in your home right now, you can just start responding just like a first century audience would. Jesus asked this question, aren't you more valuable than the birds of the air? And to that, everybody would answer what? Yes, yes, that, make, that makes sense. So Jesus is going somewhere. In verse 27, can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? Another question, and the answer to that would be no. 
I mean, worry doesn't add any hours to our life. In fact, to be honest, it probably takes away. That's what stress does. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? In fact, um, Jesus is probably looking over the Mount of, of, of Beatitudes on the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. I've been there multiple times. It's where he's teaching. He's just looking over this beautiful hillside that slopes down into the Sea of Galilee, beautiful place. He says, take a look at those wildflowers that are, are growing there. See how they grow? They don't labor or spin. In other words, they're not up all night trying to fashion some garment to wear the next day. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, the wealthiest man of his day, Jesus says, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like like one of these. And to that, they would have thought, whoa, that's pretty cool. Jesus says, what I did with those flowers, those temporary flowers, they look better than anything Solomon was able to fashion uh, together. And look what he says in verse 30. This is so helpful to me. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you Oh, you of little faith. You see what Jesus said? If that's how I take care of something that's just temporary, you who are eternal, won't I take care of you in, in such a more powerful way? And to that, people are like, that makes so much sense. And then he gives us the reason why we have worry. He says, you of little faith. You're just, Jesus is saying, you just have to learn to trust me more and more. Verse 31, so don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? And then verse 32, Jesus says, for the pagans run, I, I kind of underline that word run because worry is exhausting. He said, for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Verse 32 is loaded with so much stuff. He's saying, when I'm given to worry, I'm acting like a pagan. When Jesus says a pagan, what does he mean? He says, somebody that doesn't know God, somebody that doesn't know their father, somebody who doesn't have a relationship with me. You're acting like a lost person, right? When you run and, and are prone to, to worry in, in your life. And then the last part of verse 32 for me is so helpful. Jesus says, your heavenly father knows what you need. Now just stop for a second. Do you believe that? I mean, we're watching today. Do, do, do you believe what the Lord is saying, that God knows what you need? I do. I, be, I believe every word of scripture. And so if it, if it, if it tells me, if Jesus is saying, God, God already knows what you need, Brady, doesn't that bring some peace in your life? And it really combats worry. It really does for me. And then verse 33, Jesus says this, and I, I think it's the most powerful verse in the Bible, to, to be honest. You, you can disagree and you can be wrong. Uh, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. I, I think Jesus gives us a secret for life. I mean, this is the secret. Uh, this is a one verse, just the secret of life. Seek first my kingdom and, and, and my righteousness. Be involved in what I'm doing and, and, and model my character. Let me live in and through you and I'll take care of the details of your life. Um, Jesus isn't saying that we, we shouldn't worry about anything. He's saying just worry about the right things. That's a real a different way to look at it. So let's look at just a couple of things. First of all, I think it's important for all of us to, to really see worry for what it is, right? There's a difference between sight and vision. So we have to see worry for, for what it is. The first thing we have to do, and I think this is super important, we need to see worry as a treasure test. See worry as a treasure test. This is, what, this is what Jesus is saying. He's ultimately saying in verse 24, look, look up there if you have your Bible. What he's ultimately saying is, is, Brady, what you worry about the most is an area of your life that you trust me in the least. Like, I really needed to hear that. What I worry about the most is, is what I'm trusting God in the least. Look what Jesus says in verse 24. It's how he opens this section on worry. 
And it may seem a little weird, but it is so powerful when you look at it a little deeper. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and, and, and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both, both God and, and money. And now Jesus could have used other things um, other than money. Why does he use, use money here as he's talking about two things that, are, that we're giving ourselves to, two things that are battling for our devotion? Because money is one that captures probably most of us. I know it does me. If, I, if I'm honest with myself, money is one of the things that I worry about more than perhaps anything else. And so Jesus understands that. But most of us think, this is super important, most of us think that the problems in our life, the things that we are worried about, they arise from the uncertainty in life. Like, I think that's what we're thinking about this situation right now, that it's the uncertainty of coronavirus and this pandemic that's causing me my problems. And Jesus is not saying that. He's saying something different, and it is very unique. And if you're watching today and you're not a Christ follower, again, here at New Vision, we always love having you. I wanna point this out. Um, what Jesus says is very different from what you hear in the culture. And I think it could open your eyes to some really, really great truth. Jesus is saying our problems are, our problems are just intimately connected to our deepest desire. In other words, what he's saying, what you worry about the most is what you're devoted to the most. And so this is what the first thing that we need to see about worry. And, and we can be prone to worry about our money, our kids, our health, our future. And so what do we need to do if we really wanna, wanna get some freedom here and have God's vision over worry? We have to identify that. In other words, leverage it and say, you know what? This is what I spend more time worrying about than anything else. So let me just think about that. If this is really true, what I worry about the most is an area that I trust God in the least. What do I do? I have to repent of that. I have to agree with God about that. God, this area, I'm, I'm, I'm more worried about my finances. I'm more worried about my children. I'm more worried about this relationship or, or whatever than I am you. And I just, I want to be honest about that. And I want you to change my heart. That's the only way you'll ever uh, be able to break free from debilitating worry. The second thing I think we need to see worry for what it is, is we need to see worry, Jesus would say, almost as practical atheism. I mean, he says, so don't worry. Look at verse 31 again. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink um, or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things, right? So when I am prone to worry, I am acting in my life. I'm responding like an atheist, like I don't believe God exists, like I don't trust God to meet the needs in my life. Now, in, in, in my life growing up, whenever I saw a command in Scripture, and Jesus commands us not to worry in the New Testament, when you combine don't be afraid and don't worry, it's, it's over a hundred times, I always thought that was like a suggestion and not a command, right? And I'm learning that that wasn't a suggestion, that was a, that was a command. And in the passage that we looked at today in Matthew 6, starting verse 25 through 33, three different times he makes the same command, don't be anxious or, or don't worry. You see, worry can be one of the most accepted sins in Christianity, right? I'm just a worrier. My dad was a worrier. His dad was a worrier. I just come from a long line of worriers. I'm just a worrier. But we wouldn't say that about other areas, other sin areas in our life. I mean, we wouldn't say, as we come over in our small group, we just say, hey, guys, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm a thief. I've always been a thief. My dad was a thief. My granddad was a thief. I've always been a thief. But, you know, that's just the way I am. I'm just really, you guys are going to have to deal with me. I wouldn't leave anything valuable out because that, that could get weird. Uh, but, you know, we would address that with somebody. We, we, we would show them in Scripture, man, that, that's, that's wrong. But, but, see, we don't typically do that with, with worry. Look what Paul says in Philippians 4, 6. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Here's what I love about this. He tells us what to do with that. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
He says, you know what? When you're prone to anxiety, whatever you're thinking about, begin to start praying about that. Begin to thank God for what he's doing in your life. And we're going to see that God begins to respond in a supernatural way to that. You see, worry exaggerates our problems. Prayer and praise begins to shrink our problems. And I think that's what we see in this passage. So if we're seeing worry for what it is, we need to see that worry is a treasure te test. N number two, that worry is really practical atheism. It's a, it's a bad witness. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not really guarding my testimony where, well. And I'm struggling with that, to be honest. Uh, Amy and I talked about it even this morning. And just in communication or conversation with people around this uh, coronavirus, you know, when I see people out and somebody just says, man, then this is crazy. This is such a scary time. And, I, and I'll just kind of reiterate kind of back what they're saying. And then I think about it and I'll say, you know what? I don't know if I was really showing them the truth about who I am because, I, yes, I'm concerned about what's going on, but I don't live in debilitating fear because I know who God is. And so I think even in this time, it's a great chance to really guard our testimony and not be given to worry and fear, even in this time, to point people to the hope we have in Christ. And then the third thing is we want to see worry for what it is. We just need to see worry is totally unhelpful. I think that's what Jesus is saying in, in verse 27. Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life no. You know, Vance Havner said, worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. That's really true, isn't it? I mean, worry will give you something to do. It's like a rocking chair, but it's not getting you anywhere. It's not helping. You know, not only is, is, is we think about worry unhelpful, it's, it's unrealistic. Like I was thinking about that in my life, about, you know, 99% of the things that I worry about or have worried about in the past, they haven't come true. And, and that's what worry kind of does. It's kind of unrealistic and unreasonable. And, and worry is unhealthy. Man, worry can be super unhealthy. Charles Mayo of the Mayo Clinic said about 75% of office visits that we go and, and, and meet with our, our, our physician, really the root of those office visits are because of some stress or anxiety and worry in our life. It affects us in so many ways. But let's, let's think about this as we turn the corner here today. What, what is a, what's a new vision for worry? Because how can we really see these situations as God sees them? What's a new vision for worry? Um, here, here's the, the first thing I, I would say. Look, look at Proverbs 12, verse 25. This is a great verse. This verse has helped me this week. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Isn't that true? Man, like when, when I'm anxious or worried about financial things or about my health or, you know, about is anybody going to come back to church? That's why I'm here in the balcony. It's just like taking dumbbells and putting them in my backpack and I'm carrying them around. And man, I, it, it'll just wear me out. Anxiety, it really weighs a man's heart down. But look at the other side of that. But a good word makes him glad. That's true. A good word makes him glad. And I hope that's what we're going to do today. I hope as we look at God's word, I hope this good word that we've already heard from Jesus, we're going to continue to, to push into, is going to help in such, a, in such a way. So a person who has a new vision on worry begins to see as God sees. First thing, uh, a person of vision realizes our Father already knows what we need. We've talked about this. We've seen it in the scripture, but it's just a good reminder. If I'm going to have a new vision for worry, I need to realize this, God already knows what I, I need. And so it begins to give me some, some peace. And even when I'm going through the difficult times in my life, even when I'm going through the trials in my life, uh, I have a friend who this past week, I've been able to re-engage with him. I, I haven't talked to him much at all since high school, even though we live very close to each other. And uh, we, were, we were friends in high school, but uh, we kind of got busy and grew apart. And I've been able to reconnect with him this week. and. 
and it was one of the most refreshing things that has happened to me in really a long time because he, he, is, he is just so in love with Jesus and God has done such an amazing work in his life. And it's like I'm just talking to a radically different person. And just being able to go back and sort of hear, you know, it's been some difficult things, some really difficult struggles in his, in his life. But he sent me a text this week, and, and, uh, and, and some of you say, man, that's why I would never send you a text because you'll use it in a sermon. That's why I say anything you say can and, and will be used in, in a sermon. But I, I'm not telling you who he is. You don't know who he is. But I, I want to share w- what he said. He said, I hate what got, got me on this journey the difficult things. I hate what got me on this journey, but I love being on it. That's powerful, isn't it? And God knows what we need. We, we trust Him, and sometimes it's even the difficult things to get us to a place that we never dreamed possible and to do something in our life that we never could believe happened. So just, first of all, just realizing that God already knows what we need. Doesn't that give you some peace in your life? Can you just stop right now and say that? God knows what I need. I mean, I mean, just say that in your mind. Maybe it's weird to say that out loud with your family around. God knows what I need. And I can just rest in that. Number two, a person of vision relabels uh, each worry tomorrow. And you might say, man, this is getting weirder. What in the world do you mean? Relabels each worry tomorrow. Look what Jesus said in verse 34. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus has almost given us license to spiritually procrastinate here. So what, what is he talking about when we're saying relabel each worry tomorrow? You see, when, when, we bring, when we bring tomorrow's worries into our life today, we just really overload our system and we violate a very important, really spiritual command and really this, this, this guideline that God has given us to life. And, and worry is really this. Think about this. You might want to write this down. Worry is dragging tomorrow's problems into today. And we're not built for that. And, and you might say, well, what, what in the world do you mean? In fact, if you would go up in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus in verse 11, it's in that section that Jesus has given us the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, right? You learned that as a kid. And a, and a part of that prayer in verse 11, Jesus teaches us to, to pray, Father, give us today our daily bread right? And so this is this very important sprint, uh, principle that you see embedded throughout Scripture, that God just provides for us with His grace and mercy for today. It's what He did with the children of Israel as they were in the desert wandering there in the book of Exodus, which we're going to study in the fall. I'm excited about that. He gave them what they needed for the day. Now, we have never really had to live that out, most of us in, in the West, in the U.S., but we got a glimpse of it maybe just the last several weeks or the last month or so. I've probably gone to the grocery store with Amy more than ever before uh, in my life. And sometimes we would go into the grocery store those first couple of weeks. I mean, that was rough. Like I, I can remember going back to the, to the meat counter and looking for something. And all I came back with was some hot dogs. And that, that's the absolute truth. And I'm like, man, is it going to be this way? It felt like you're in a third world country for just a little bit. And even as I was doing that, I was thinking, man, that's how... That's how so many people live, and, and, and perhaps we're just getting a taste, and God just wants to give us what we need today. We saw people hoarding toilet paper and paper towels and all of that, and, and we were really violating this principle of just trusting God for our needs today. You see, here's what we have to do. We have to realize that God's grace is sufficient for today. Can I say that to you today? God's grace, His power in your life, it's sufficient for today. And when you bring tomorrow's worries into today, like, I don't know if we're going to have a job in six months or I, I don't know if people are going to come, come back to church in three months or I, I don't know if in the next couple of weeks somebody's going to get... When you start bringing those problems into today, you overload your system. You violate this biblical precept to trust God for today, right? L- listen to 
Listen to Lamentations chapter 3. It makes this point so good. Verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That's good, isn't it? His mercies never come to an end. I love that. Now listen to this promise. They are new every morning. God's mercy is new every morning. So when you label your worry, what do you label? You label it tomorrow, right? Because you don't overload that system and bring it into today. And here's the good news. Listen, God has grace to meet those issues and those challenges tomorrow. His mercy is new each and every morning. So I'm trusting him with that. And that's a rhythm that we have to learn to live by in our life. I don't wanna pull those things from the future and bring them into today. It overloads my system. That is why so many people are just in this debilitated place and it moves to depression, you know, and it really begins to shut us down because we have brought tomorrow's stuff into today instead of trusting God, his new grace and mercy each and every day. Last thing. A new vision on worry does this. A person of vision that really begins to see worry as God sees worry, uh, lets that trigger a kingdom concern. Um, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Let's look, look back and, and we'll close it out. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus simplifies life. He says, you know, in the midst of being concerned in the midst of, of, of worry, let that trigger a kingdom concern because here's the problem with worry. Worry gets us so consumed with what's going on in our own life that we miss what God is doing around us. Can I say that to you again? Worry gets us so concerned with what's going on in our own life, with our money, with our health, with our children, all those things. We get so concerned with that that we miss that the kingdom, God is doing kingdom work or wants to do kingdom work all around us. And Jesus is saying something totally different. He says, listen, if you would seek first my kingdom, looking for ways to advance the kingdom and my righteousness, watch how you're living and walking in purity, then I'll take care of all the details of your life. He flips it for us, right? We seek first what lasts forever, and then God empowers all these other areas. Most of us live our life just the opposite. Most of us just focus on all these other things, and we stay stuck in our, in our life. Now, if I had to summarize Matthew 6, 33, just really quickly, here, here's what I would say. When we focus on his kingdom, he begins to focus on ours. Is that good? We focus on his kingdom first, then he empowers ours. And so what does that just look like, just real practically? Well, the first few minutes of every day, giving it to the Lord in worship, that's focusing on his kingdom first. That's just what we would call devotion. The first consideration in every decision, giving that to God, that's just what we might call wisdom. The first day of the week, giving that to Him, that's what we would call worship. The first of our income, giving that to Him as we offer that to the Lord, that first percentage of our income, that's what we would call the tithe. That, that is seeking His kingdom first. And then when we do that, then He empowers our life. That's what the, that's what the Scripture says. Ruth, uh, Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, said this before she passed away. She said, it's important for us to do the possible and trust God for the impossible. Isn't that a good word? You just do the possible. Seek the kingdom of God first and trust God for the impossible. You see, overcoming worry is ultimately an impossibility in and of yourself. You can't do it. But you do the possible. You do what God's calling you to do. You seek his kingdom first and he'll do the impossible in your life. Hey, as we close, let me ask this question. Just to remind you, what area of your life are you worried about the most? Are you thinking about that right now? I, I am. I could answer. I, I'm not going to tell you. But I know what it is for me. What area in your life are you worried about the most? 
And, and that is showing us that that's an area of our life that we are trusting God in perhaps the least. And so what we do with that, it's a chance to acknowledge that before the Lord, repent that, repent of that, and watch as God begins to heal that and, and bring some change. You know, and I might ask, in what area do you need to seek Him first? Seek His kingdom first and, and watch as He empowers yours. Because here's where you are. Man, you have been living your whole life about your kingdom and you are frustrated, you are stuck, you are overwhelmed. It's just, it's just really not working. Wonder if you flip the script and really begin to walk that out and watch what God would do. It could be a powerful, powerful thing. Philippians chapter four, verse six. I wanna, I wanna read it to you and close with this last thought. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Listen to verse seven. And the peace of God, isn't that what we need right now more than anything else? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding right? We need that right now. We'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When Paul says the peace of God will guard our hearts, it was military language, that God will set up a checkpoint outside your heart and outside your mind to protect you from being just overwhelmed with these onslaught of worry. You see, and for some of you today, listen, this is so important. For some of you today, you are overwhelmed with worry and for years you have been overwhelmed with worry and, and something kind of triggered in you. You're saying, you know what? I don't have one of those checkpoints. It's like, I, I, I'm just, I, I just, I'm, I, I worry about everything and it becomes overwhelming in my life. Can I tell you, this is one of the benefits and one of the blessings of being born again. And I'm not saying, please, 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 I'm not saying that a person who's born again spiritually never has any worry. No, that, that's not true. But one of the benefits of that is that God begins to guard our hearts and guard our minds, begins to give us victory over that to protect us. And some of you today would say, you know what, I want that. I have never had that in my life. I am just a slave to worry and to fear. And I wanna be released from that. How is that? Surrender to Jesus. And he will begin to free you one by one from these debilitating worries and fears. Could we pray together today as we, as we close? Father, thank you for your word. And Father, today, thank you for showing us that an area that we worry about the the most is an area that we trust you the least. Lord, would you show us that? And could we repent of that? And could you liberate us from that? Lord, teach us to just label our worries tomorrow and, and trust your grace to meet those needs. Father, help us to seek your kingdom first and not be just so controlled by what's going on in our life that we just miss what you want to do in and through us to advance your kingdom. And Father, today, for those who might be listening, might be watching today, that really they're track record of their life is just overcome with worry. And Lord, they need you to guard their heart and guard their mind and begin to set them free. So today, I just pray that they may put their faith and trust in you, that they may even right now invite you to come in and forgive them of their sin and take control of their life and begin to liberate them. Lord, I pray you'd begin to do that in their heart and their life and to give them a level of freedom that they have never had before. In Christ's name, amen.